You know? Holiness doesn't have to be scary. Welcome to the Pursuing Holiness Wholeheartedly podcast with Rev. Dr. J. Patrick Bowman. Each week, Rev. Bowman takes a slice of holiness history and holiness theology and makes it accessible for authentic Christian living. So, open your mind and prepare your heart for new adventures in Pursuing Holiness Wholeheartedly. Hello there, my friends, and welcome to the Pursuing Holiness Wholeheartedly podcast on this fifth day of April, 2022. I am your host, Reverend Dr. J. Patrick Bowman, coming at you from the Dalles, Oregon, in the midst of the spectacular, world-famous Columbia River Gorge. Today we are going to look at a woman who was a major force in 20th century Wesleyan holiness thought, Mildred Bangs Wincoop, 1905-1997. Mildred Olive Bangs was born on the 9th of September, 1905, in Seattle, Washington. Her parents were immigrants to the United States, her father from Norway and her mother from Switzerland. They met Phineas Greasy, General Superintendent of the Church of the Nazarene, on their honeymoon, and became charter members of Seattle First Church of the Nazarene. After entering Northwest Nazarene College, Mildred traveled with its collegiate quartet with President H. Orton Wiley on the weekends. She followed Wiley to Pasadena College, now Point Loma Nazarene University, two years later to complete her bachelor's degree. While studying at Pasadena College, Mildred met her future husband, fellow student Ralph Carl Wincoop. They were married at the Central Church of the Nazarene, now the Aurora Church of the Nazarene in Seattle. Their first home was Pasadena, California, where they remained students at Pasadena College, and while there, they co-pastored the Glassell Park Church of the Nazarene in Los Angeles for four years until she received her A.B. and C.H.B. degrees in 1931. They then pastored the Church of the Nazarene at Ojai, California for a year. The Wincoops then returned to the Pacific Northwest, where they served for four years at Marshfield, Oregon, now Coos Bay. While there, Mildred was ordained an elder in the Church of the Nazarene in 1934, with Ralph following a year later. Ralph and Mildred spent the next five years traveling as evangelists, mainly on the West Coast. They moved to Portland, Oregon to serve the Brentwood Church of the Nazarene for nine years. Margaret earned her Bachelor of Divinity degree from Western Evangelical Seminary, now George Fox, in 1952 and a Master of Science from the University of Oregon in 1953. When Mildred enrolled in doctoral studies in Chicago, Illinois, Ralph returned to evangelistic ministry. Mildred received a doctorate in theology from Northern Baptist Theological Seminary in 1955. 
Wincoop's first teaching assignment was at Western Evangelical Seminary in Portland, where she served as professor of theology from 1956 until December of 1960. From 1961 to 66, she taught in Japan. The founding president of Japan Nazarene Theological Seminary, and briefly in Taiwan. From 1966 to 76, she served as professor of theology and director of the Department of Missions at Treveca Nazarene College, now Treveca Nazarene University in Nashville, Tennessee. From 1976 to 79, Wincoop was the theologian in residence at Nazarene Theological Seminary in Kansas City, Missouri. Over her career, Wincoop won many awards and published extensively. From 1972, A Theology of Love, The Dynamic of Wesleyanism, remains her most influential book and is where we will focus on her writing. And we will pick up there after we listen to Van Wood sing, We Want to See You, Jesus. You are listening to the Pursuing Holiness Wholeheartedly podcast. We want to see Jesus, to bow down before Him, to come here to worship, to love and adore Him. We come here to listen to what He is saying. We want to see Jesus, we want to see Him. all who believe he has made us his own now he invites us to come to his throne and now we come unto him we want to see jesus to stand in his presence to sing him our love song an offering of praise Open our hearts and be filled with His Spirit. We want to see Jesus. We want to see Him. Oh, what a wonderful love He has shown to all who believe He has made us His own. Now He invites us to come to His throne. Now we come unto Him. We want to see Jesus, the one who redeemed us, who took all our sins and washed them away. By His precious blood we now come before Him. We want to see Jesus, we want to see Him. Oh, what a wonderful love He has shown to all who believe He has made us His own. And now He invites us to come to His throne, 
And now we come unto Him We want to see Jesus We want to see Jesus We want to see Jesus Welcome back! We are going to read from Mildred Bangs Wincoop's 1972 classic, The Theology of Love, The Dynamic of Wesleyanism. It is Wesley's emphasis on love that becomes the key not only to the meaning of holiness, but also to the meaning of sin. Sin is love, but love gone astray. Man is a creature who is not free not to love something. He is a committed person. Every conscious act reaffirms that commitment or challenges it. Love is the most powerful drive of the human person, the deepest fact about rational man. But it is exactly in this drive where he is most free and most responsible. Coerced love is not love at all. At no point is a human person more responsible, therefore more free, than the ordering of his love. He is not the slave of his love unless he surrenders his humanity to impersonal drives. He may abdicate his humanity, but he is not thereby absolved from responsibility for doing so. Men find themselves locked by their own love into an orbit about a center. Sin is love locked into a false center, the self. The falseness is always multifaceted, eccentric, and destructive. Sin is a distortion of love. It is a substitute for the real, resembling it superficially. But sin cannot deliver the real. It cannot create. It destroys the good it seeks. Sin says, look at the freedom I offer, with none of the restraint and labor and conformity God demands. Discard God's restrictive rule. Begin to enjoy the fruit without tedious cultivating the vine. Have love cheaply, freely. But no one can continue to love the false and remain whole. Sin carries the seed of its own destruction. Holiness is love locked into the true center, Jesus Christ our Lord. Being true all of the self, and progressively all of life, comes into harmony and wholeness and strength. By placing sin in juxtaposition to love, something is said about what sin is and what freedom from it involves. It must be said again that love is a personal quality, a relationship established with or against persons. It has to do with the nature of its object. The object reacts back on and defines the quality of love. The essence of humility and true personal moral grandeur is to set one's heart on God. The epitome of pride and carnal arrogance is to raise one's own miserable self to the pretension of being a God. And here is the watershed between holiness and sin. Integration versus destruction, life versus death. Choose you this day whom ye will serve.
No man can serve two masters. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. But this leaves one more vital question to be considered. Granted that the tenacity of love is perhaps the most unbreakable bond of the human spirit and manifests itself either as the powerful and indestructive moral vitality of, of heroic Christians or in the unspeakable corruption of men in moral vileness and cold brutality. How is it possible to change the commitment of love from one object to another? How can any man change from one orbit to another? How can any coup d'etat upset the ancient dynasty of self-worship when it is the self which must act? The answer is brief and to the point. He cannot do it in his own strength. This impasse could not be broken were it not for God's grace. But a too shallow concept of grace can betray truth here. In some way, God must be able to make it possible for the man most firmly in the grip of the consequence of his own free choice to make the traumatic contrary choice, which the new commitment demands without robbing him of the only claim he has to the freedom which makes him a man and not an automation. Before we turn to Mildred's words on how God acts, let's listen to Patricia Hadley singing, Nothing is Impossible. You are listening to the Pursuing Holiness Wholeheartedly podcast.
Let's listen as Mildred Bangs Wincoop shares how God acts. God acts, but he acts in moral magnificence. He wins his way into man's heart by a counter-display of his love and fulfillment. God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. The splendor of God's reality and promise cast contrary loves into the shade. God does not force his way into the heart. He excites the jaded hopes of men until the old, cheap loves look shoddy and corrupt. God attacks the want-to in man. There is some truth in Peter Abelard's theory of the atonement, which conceived of Christ's death as a demonstration of God's love, designed to win men's confidence and allegiance. It is more, surely, but it is a reconciling act of love, too. God acts in the only area of man's true freedom and makes decision not only possible and desirable, but mandatory. No man is free not to take a position relative to moral decision in the light of this very deep and profound divine self-revelation and offer of life. God acts in the only area of man's existence where real change begins. He does not demand a cold, unmotivated, deliberate, purely intellectual decision to change the object of one's commitment from self to God. The Spirit of God comes time and again to manifest the beauty of Christ and the excellency of his Lordship, and by contrast the poverty and ugliness of one's own best achievements and possessions. True moral and spiritual values are set in comparison and contrast. Life and death are placed before us with all the allurement of God's love contrasted with darkness and death. Only in this holy hour can any man move toward God, never apart from God's initiative. Jesus said, If I had not come, they had not had sin, but now they have no cloak or excuse for their sin. John 15.22 He brought light and winsomeness as well as the motivation to love him. And we can love him only because he loved us first. Hallelujah! Aren't we glad for that truth? It's such a pleasure for me to share with you from a vast collection of holiness writings. I hope that you are enjoying the podcast and look forward to it each week. If you do, please drop me a line at revjpbowman at gmail.com. That's Rev. JPBowman at gmail.com. I will leave you this week with Ray Watson singing, I will praise your love forever. Thanks for listening, folks, and have a great week.
Thank you for joining us this week for the Pursuing Holiness Wholeheartedly podcast, a production of Late Harvest Wesleyan Ministries. Please check out our new Pursuing Holiness Wholeheartedly designated website. You will find links to our blog, the podcast, and Dr. Bowman's book, Pursuing Holiness Wholeheartedly, available in hardback, paperback, and Kindle editions, at Amazon. That again is pursuing-holiness.org.